Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. If you'd like to live a life of victory in Christ, then this book just might be for you. It's called Living an Overcoming Life. I'm talking right now with the author, Peter Uba. Peter, thank you for joining me tonight. Yes, you're welcome. Can you tell me about what readers can expect in living an overcoming life? Well, every reader that reads this book, they should expect to enter into an era of a lifestyle of victory because of the revelations and the impartations that are detailed in the book. They are the result of personal experiences. I've always told my students that spiritual principles, they cannot be circumvented. They are forever settled in heaven according to God's word. They work, you know, so if we apply them, they work for us. They are born out of my personal experience in life. Hmm. What kinds of readers do you think would get the most out of living an overcoming life? I expect every, all spectrums of, of readership, you know, even the believers, they will be believers because the content in the book, they focus on real life experiences, you know, because it, it is, they are predicated on one fact that problems that affect humanity, they are spiritual problems. Mm. So they just come into the open, into the realm of our sphere, of, of our visible sphere, sphere of manifestation, physical manifestation. You know, but underneath these problems, there are spiritual activities that are driving these things. So I believe that the, the audience is anyone that really wants to have spiritual insight and understanding about life, but more particularly, the believers in Christ. Hmm. That sounds like a book that might have taken you quite a long time to do. How long did it take you to complete this? Yes, it, it took me over 20 years to, to write the book. When my ministry began, and I began to see experiences, manifestations, you know, and miracles and um, signs and wonders, lives being touched. As I began this process of book writing, I needed to put all the contents together. And as I get more experiences, then I start getting more content born out of the experiences from the back. You know, so it's more like 12 years, you know, the first three years I was in the Washington, D.C. area. And then I moved to Texas while I was in Texas for about 10 years. I had very powerful encounters, you know, while I was in Texas. Mm. Then when I traveled to the nations of the world, especially in Asia, in Brunei, in Malaysia, in Indonesia, in India, in China. So I started seeing the real manifestation of a tangible manifestation of God's word. You know, so that was how it took me such a long time to put it together. Mm. Is this the first time you've written a book, or have you done anything like this before? This is my first experience. <laughs> oh, congratulations. It's quite an accomplishment. How did it feel then when you got that first copy in your hands? 
the fact that I can put my life experiences, my practical life experiences into a book, you know, how my life has been impacted, the lives of members of my household, my marriage, my children, you know, my members of the ministry, to see all these things being consolidated into a book, it just amazes me. It's like I felt like I have come to a new, a new place, you know. And as a matter of fact, when the book was launched, I felt inspired to, to start writing my second book. Mm. So, so it's a good thing, you know, for me. In fact, if you're looking for more, if you're looking to live a life of victory in Christ, then this book, again, might be for you. It's called Living an Overcoming Life. It's written by Peter Uba, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Peter, thank you for coming on the show tonight. I had a great time chatting with you. Certainly. Thank you very much. I'd like to welcome author Gwen Willis to the Reader House Author Roundtable with me now. Gwen, thank you for being here. Thank you. Can you tell me about your new book? It's out now. It's called Mama Africa. What's it all about? Mama Africa is a story that I wrote. It's a true story. It's actually my story. It's about an answer to three prayers that I asked the Lord for at one period of time. Lord, send me a husband. And then it was, Lord, teach me how to love my husband. And then, Lord, bring my husband back. And did you have a group of target readers in mind when you were writing this? I think this story is a story that all women, young women, old women, divorced women, married women, widows, all of those women will enjoy this story. It talks about encouraging. It's a story of encouragement. The book talks about how to lean on God, unconditional love. And what persuaded you to sit down and actually write this book and release your story for the world? And actually, I guess I can actually say that it started off as a form of therapy. Hmm. When you are searching for answers from God and you're just not getting the answers, sometimes for me, it is to sit down and start to write it out, writing out my thoughts, writing out what's going on. And, it, and after, after writing for so long, it became a story. Hmm. Now, when you think back over all the things that you've accomplished in your life, would you consider publishing this book one of the finest ones? I would, actually. It's an accomplishment that I feel like I finished. Hmm. So many things we started and we just never get opportunity to really finish or see it materialize. So it was one of those opportunities of actually seeing a thought come to reality. Hmm. There's so much time, so much work goes into writing and, and publishing a book. What would you say is the most rewarding aspect of publishing? Actually seeing the finished product in your hands hmm. and uh, beginning to sit, hear other people reading it. and their input and their thoughts and their appreciation for it and coming back and saying how it helped them and how it encouraged them. Mm -hmm. Certainly fantastic feeling to hear how your work is inspiring and helping others. And you just talked about holding that book in your hands. What was that like for you when you got to hold that first copy in your hands? It was so exciting. The publishing company didn't tell me actually that it was being mailed out. And I ended up coming home one evening and there was a box at the door and I thought to myself, you know, what is this box? And I opened up the box and there was the book. And I was just like, wow, <laughs> it was just incredible. It was, it was an incredible feeling. Mm. 
a lot of our listeners right now are aspiring authors. They want to get their book out there for the world. Uh, do you have any advice that you could offer them? Don't give up. Discontinue. It's mm. great advice. Is there a person in your life who's most inspired you in this book? I would say it's my walk with Christ and desiring to be in his will. Mm. Family and friends and other individuals that is just in my inner circle that supported me through a difficult period. And it was, and the book talks about that difficult period of going through divorce and all of those individuals. Mm -hmm. Gwen, looking ahead, have you thought about maybe writing another book or publishing more? Actually, I have. I'm working on a second book right now, yes. Well, that's fantastic. We're looking forward to that. And I encourage our listeners to check this one out. It's called Mama Africa. It's written by Gwen Willis, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this one everywhere that you shop for books, like Amazon, and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Well, Gwen, thank you so much again for stopping by the show. I had a nice time chatting with you. Thank you. Really happy to be sitting down with author Steve L. Roy here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Steve, thank you for being here with me tonight. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. Really great to have you here. You have a new book out right now. It's called An Examination of the Theme of Discipleship in the Seven Churches of Revelation. What can readers expect in here? Well, a lot of information, <laughs> but my hope and my prayer would be certainly with the historical background and, of course, the scripture that you read in these chapters of Revelation, that you would be encouraged to continue on as a disciple. I don't think you can know the future without knowing the past. And this is a huge step in that direction and seeing how our Christian forefathers dealt with persecution, with suffering. And you have, of course, Jesus saying, here's my compliments, here's the correction, the consolation, here's what I want you to do. So we don't have to figure out what's on the mind of Jesus in being a disciple and in pleasing him. So I think that it would benefit greatly the person who is serious about being a disciple and following Christ in days like this. Would you say that this book is best suited for more mature Christians then? Well, yes, but I don't think it's written in such a way that, you know, younger Christians couldn't understand it. Hmm. This came about through my doctor of education a few years ago. This is actually the dissertation that I wrote on it, hmm. but uh, hopefully it doesn't read that way. In a doctor of education, you've got a lot of charts and graphs and statistics and so forth. I don't do that here. Basically, I kind of give a historical background as to where were these churches, what were they facing. So I, I do think that the Christian community, generally speaking, would benefit from it. And that's my, certainly my prayer and my hope. Hmm. Is this the first time then that you've been published in this regard? Yes. I've been published in the sense of I've done a couple of degrees that are in the library at the seminary, but this is my first work that has been published, of course, as a book. Really, I'm excited about it. Well, congratulations. It's a lot of hard work, which I'm, I'm sure you know. And what was it like then when you got to hold that first copy in your hands? Oh, it was thrilling. Mm -hmm. It was, I didn't cry, but I will say almost. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really thrilling. You know, when I opened up the box, my wife and I took a look and it was just really great to hold it in my hands. And Covenant Books is the publisher. And, and one of the things that thrilled me, I gave them an idea for the cover and they just went above and beyond what I even had envisioned in my own mind. So it was just a great, great experience 
to uh, to open up that box and to you know flip through it, see the book itself, and I'm just really uh, thrilled with it. Mm. Steve, looking ahead, have you given thought to writing more, publishing more? Yes, I've got some ideas. One that I'm working on now, and I'm really thinking too about the pastors in particular. I'm calling it the 666 factor. It's four realities for ministry endurance. Of course, that's again written for any Christian that would read it. But I have particularly pastors in mind. Next year in July, I'll be in the ministry 40 years. Wow! So it's kind of like reflecting back on, okay, what have I experienced? What are some things that maybe could help a young guy, especially who's just entered ministry, or maybe he's been in the ministry a few years? What's going to keep him from quitting? What will help him endure? That's what I'm hoping to do. I'm writing it now. I don't know when I'll be done, but that's something I've had on my heart for some time. And the title, of course, you hear 666, and you think immediately tribulation or revelation. But John 666 is a verse that has kept me in the ministry for many years. That's where the Bible says, and depending on the interpretation you read, on that day, many of his disciples left him and did not walk with him anymore. Of course, speaking about Jesus. That passage of Scripture, I'm going to walk through with the reader and just see what was the reaction of Jesus, what was your reaction of Peter, and again, the uh, realities that I believe that passage teaches us for endurance. And of course, endurance as a Christian, certainly, but endurance in ministry in particular. Uh, certainly important. The name of the book is An Examination of the Theme of Discipleship in the Seven Churches of Revelation. It's written by Steve L. Roy and published by Covenant Books. You can find this everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere you shop for books. Well, Steve, thank you again for stopping by the show. I had a great time talking with you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Peace in the Midst is the new book by Joan P. Walker, and I'm really happy that I'm talking with Joan right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Joan, thank you very much for joining me tonight. Thank you. Can you tell me what readers are all set for in Peace in the Midst? The story Peace in the Midst pertains to a young girl who is uprooted from her home in Chicago and sent to live with her grandparents in Tennessee. She feels out of place there. She doesn't understand why her parents sent her there, so she feels very upset and confused. She enrolls in a new school, and she can't adjust there, so she has a lot of trouble in that. But she eventually, by watching her grandparents and observing their godly life, she begins to feel the conviction of God. Mm. And she prays through, and God saves her soul and washes her as white as snow. And then her life changes. All the things that once had her perplexed and down seemed to lift her because she knew she wasn't alone. Her real father was in heaven. She can deal with things much better. She's sent to a reform school because of previous behavior, but she handles that like a true soldier. And when she goes into that school, everybody's against her. The counselors at the school are against her. But by the time she leaves that school, practically everyone in the school is Christians. When she comes home, she goes back to school and finishes her degree in nursing, and her boyfriend goes to become a medical doctor, and they end up in Kenya, Africa, working in a mission field. And 
there's just miracle after miracle that takes place there mm-hmm. as they work hand in hand and educate these people of the village. They educate them and build new wells and, and just work together hand in hand. And then after years of success there, they come back to America and they open a mission work up in Townsend, Tennessee to help the people of the area. They're just a blessing. They don't charge for the work. They handle all kinds of things like spiritual needs, physical needs, whatever the need may be. And they said that the elderly seems to be the biggest need. They're lonely, and they open their doors to them and give them a chance to feel useful again. Hmm. So everywhere she goes, after she comes to Christ, Actually, when she goes to her grandparents' house, she feels the peace of God that things that once would just cause her all kinds of problems, when she became God's child, she could take those and feel peace no matter what she was going through, no matter how hard the battle. Mm -hmm. She had the peace of God that gave her the strength to get through and to become effective for him. Joan, what a story. Uh, Where did this come from? Where did the idea, the inspiration? I don't know. I really don't know. I I wrote a lot of songs and stuff Mm. like that. We've got several gospel albums, me and my husband, of songs we've written ourselves. And I don't know. The Lord started giving me poetry, and I thought I was writing a poetry book, which I have already. And I put a fleece out before the Lord. I said, Lord, if you want me to publish a book of poems, give me 130 by a certain date. By the time that date came, I had 150 poems, and God stopped me from writing. I couldn't write nothing. But he started giving me this story, and I started, I just grabbed me, I didn't have a computer. I was computer illiterate, so I just got me an old notebook and started writing, and I wrote it. Every time I'd go in and read what I wrote, I'd have to add more things, and my son finally said, Mama, you can't do it this way. He said, you're going to have to. I'm going to get you a computer, and I'm going to set your book up on it, and I want you to work it from the computer. I said, okay. So he put that up there, but the book kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. By the time he had set my computer up, I had over 100 pages handwritten. When the computer, I got it, man, it just, my mind just started flooding with, and I actually thought maybe this girl is some human that lived in time, that God's just given me the story of her life. That's the way I felt. But I don't know, because in every character in the book, I became, or for most of them, I'll say, I became that person. Mm. And I had to think, what would I do in this situation? And it just came. It just I don't feel like I'm the author of this book. I feel like God just dictated this book to me. And I wrote it down. I was available. This book is called Peace in the Midst. It's written by Joan P. Walker, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere you shop for books. Joan, thanks again for joining me here tonight. I had a great time learning about Peace in the Midst. Thank you. You have a blessed day. Sitting down with me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Fritz Lang. Fritz, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Oh, it's a pleasure. You have a new book out right now. It's called A Life Lived Through My Eyes, 
The Fritz Lang Story, Part 2 of Chasing My Dreams. Could you give our listeners a little bit of background as to Part 1 and then what you've done here in Part 2? Yes. Well, the Part 1 is from 1943 in Germany as a kid during the World War II to 1962 when I ended this country and immigrated into the U.S. Part two continues from 62 to 95. What sort of a reading audience did you have in mind when you were writing your books? Well, actually, I would say all different groups, you know, age groups. I had young kids reading stuff and they took it to school. Mm. It's really hard to say. I mean, it's a bright audience, you know. Can you think back to when you first got that inspiration, that idea to write your life story and to tell it to the world? Yeah, I thought it was so interesting the way we lived in those days, and that's why I started. And then I ended up coming over here, so I figured I have to do part two to my life, what I did. Like I built churches for 10 years all over the United States, and Later on, did custom-built homes and stuff, you know. So I was part acting, too, you know, did small jobs in movies. And you've certainly had to overcome a lot of challenges in your life. What would you say is one of the most significant challenges that you got through? Well, the book writing is is a very big challenge. I mean, you have to be really persistent, and you, you cannot give up. You have to just stick with it. It's not easy. Sometimes you think, oh, I I cannot continue. I don't know. But so soon you start again, it flows through you and you just put it down, you know. Mm. That's the way this book went. You just talked about persistence and how long the process can be. Did these books take you a long time to write? Well, you see, in my case, I had to get a lot of material together, pictures and, and, and stories from the past. So it's, I would say it took about a year to get the book completed, ready for the publisher. Looking ahead, have you thought about publishing more, writing more books? Yes, I actually uh, started the book now about an immigrant, it's on that immigrant, his journey. It took him about from South America, to be exact, Peru, to the United States four months traveling, and I thought it was very interesting when I spoke to this person. So I write this down right now and put it in a book form. After all the time and hard work that you put into writing a book, what's it like when you get that first copy and hold it in your hands? Well, it's a great feeling that you accomplish something. Hmm. And this is a good accomplishment, you know, it's a good feeling. When you were writing A Life Lived Through My Eyes, both part one and part two here, was that writing an easy process for you, or did you encounter hurdles like writer's block? Well, here and there you get a few writer blocks, but since this was my life story, biography of my own life, so I knew all the stuff. I just had to put it in the right categories and bring it together properly. In this case, it's not like writing maybe something different, but this is my own biography, so it's been pretty smooth. Fritz, if you had one piece of advice that you could give to people who are just starting out, who haven't written a book yet, 
they want to get published. What would you tell them? Well, I would say you have to be persistent and don't give up. The thing is to accomplish something in life. You got to be pretty firm with yourself. It's not easy because you got to control yourself not to. It's so easy to throw, throw the towel in. Uh, people, I spoke to so many people and they say, Oh, I wrote a book. I said, Oh, yeah, where, where did you publish it? Oh, no, no, I just wrote it on paper. I threw it out. You see, you have to be consistent and then anything can be done. I think it's impossible. Absolutely. The book is titled A Life Lived Through My Eyes, The Fritz Lang Story, Part 2 of Chasing My Dreams. It's written by Fritz Lang and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this book everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere you shop for books. It's been a wonderful time speaking with you tonight, Fritz. Thank you again for joining me. I thank you. Thank you. Sometimes the most exciting things in life come unexpectedly and can change you forever. And that's what readers find in Gisela Bengfort's new book, Wolfie's Adventure, An Unlikely Friendship. I'm really happy to be joined by Gisela right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Gisela, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Corey, for having me. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to be talking with you. Can you tell me what readers can expect in Wolfie's Adventure? Well, it's a chapter book with a lot of questions for the reader. It's about two very different animals, uh, one with wings and feathers and the other with paws and fur, who unlikely circumstances force them to bond an unlikely friendship. It's their adventure. It's about courage. It's about empathy and life-changing decisions which come to us daily. Hmm. Did you have a group of readers in mind when you were writing this? Actually, my granddaughter, this was during the pandemic, uh, where she said, you should write this down, Nana. And I thought, well, why not? I can't see her, so I, I, I write a family heirloom. And suddenly it became much more than that. The neighbor who said she has a great illustrator, she pointed me toward, and then it became uh, suddenly something more serious than a family heirloom. Mm. Have you ever done anything like this when it comes to writing a book or getting something published? No, not at all. <laughs> wow, congratulations. It's such a huge accomplishment to get your first book out there. There's so much work. I'm sure it was a learning experience for you. What was the most difficult thing about the whole process? Well, for me, it was absolutely language. Mm. But the stories come so naturally. I love to tell stories. I love the outdoors. I love animals. Mm. I always observe them and I get inspired of stories, why they act a certain way. And so the stories was easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Then getting that first copy in your hands after all that hard work, what was that like for you? So unreal. And I, I was totally giddy. And yes, I did the dance. <laughs> Have you thought about doing it again, publishing more, writing another book? Well, my second book, The Continuing Story of Wolfie and Fate, is already by the publisher, being edited and prepared for publishing. And it's away from home, their adventure continuings. How wonderful. 
What advice now would you give to the aspiring authors who are listening to us? Well, what works for me is write from your heart, write about things that matters to you. Hmm. This is a children's book. Uh, what ages of children do you think would really be into this? If I have to choose, it would be probably from five up to all ages. I had actually older people, adults, telling me how fun it was to read. Mm. <laughs> so I would say if, you know, I know you need to put an age group on, I would say from five to 12, maybe. When you look back over it all from the beginning until where things are now, what's the most rewarding part of saying that you're a published author now? I think that you got a voice to reach children who are still so untinted and not living in a box and don't have all the right answers being taught. And it's so inspiring to listen to them when you ask questions because it never comes what you expect. Hmm. Uh, they still can look at things from different sides, and that is so exciting. That is really the most exciting to reach them in a, such a beautiful age, young age. What kind of a reader are you? Would you call yourself an avid reader? Yes. I think it helped me to learn English much better is to read. I love history-based adventures. Ken Follett, John Grisham. Those are the kind of books I really enjoy that grabs me. And I read about 12 books a year. Hmm. Reading is so important. I encourage our listeners to read this one. It's called Wolfie's Adventure, An Unlikely Friendship. It's written by Gisela Bengfort and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, everywhere you shop for your books. Gisela, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had such a great time learning about Wolfie's adventure, and it was a really nice time chatting with you. Thank you. I feel so honored. Uh, thanks for having me, and have a great evening. Reach for the Taut Rope. It's the new book by Delbert Martin, and I'm speaking with Delbert right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Delbert, thank you for joining me tonight. Yes, you're welcome. I'm pleased to be here. Thank you. Can you tell me all about what readers can expect in Reach for the Taut Rope? Well, it's, it's a coming-of-age story of a boy and his mother, an Arkansas farm girl. Conflicted, she drank heavily, which was a heartache for her and her family. Even so, God intervened, pursued them, and helped them beyond their understanding. They learned to follow him. Did you have a group of target readers in mind when you were writing this? Well, as a memoir, it's a, my kids and their kids and their families are my primary target readers. Others that read memoirs might like it too. I did put some emotion into the scenes to try to propel the reader along. Some have said and told me that have read it. I read it through because I was touched by its message. And when it comes to writing a book and, and getting published, is this the first time you've done anything like this? Yes, it's my first book. I've published many uh, technical articles and reports as part of my job as a civil engineer. I was reminded over the years that one definition of an engineer was, quote, someone who wrote reports that no one ever reads. So I know what it means to be unread. That's okay. Was this something that took you a long time to write and put through the publishing process? About three years. Hmm. Well, through the publishing process, added another year. So it's been about four since I started. Hmm. Well, Delbert, can you think back to when you actually sat down and, and started writing this book? What, what persuaded you to do that? 
I took some writing courses several years ago, maybe five or six years ago. And so I started writing some stories. And then I, I had these memories. And then I ended up talking to someone oh, a few years ago. There was, I guess I was influenced by three people to write this, to go ahead and start the memoir. And after all that time and the hard work that it takes to write a book and to publish a book, when you got that first copy in your hands, what was that like for you? Well, I was happy with it. It was a completed project. I was actually more excited when I heard from the publisher that they liked the book and they were willing to publish it. Mm. So when I held the book in my hand, I knew it was a gift from God. And though I was actually more excited when I heard from the publisher. And I, I do like to complete projects. And so that was the gratifying thing about it. It was I finished the memoir and it was done. Mm. And now that Reach for the Taut Rope is out there for the world, you're a published author now. What would you say is the most rewarding aspect of knowing that? It gives me some hope that I can partner with God to do something new, perhaps write another book. If this one's not very good, then maybe the next one will be. I need a new occupation because I'm retired and I no longer work as on managing uh, engineering projects. I'm sure all this was quite the learning experience for you. So what advice could you give to other authors who are looking to get their first one out there? I would say that it's important to be constantly thankful for what you have and are given. Learn to love and forgive. Seems to me that without love, there are no readable stories. Angry, hostile people cannot write anything that others want to read. I think to some degree, all of us are a little bit susceptible to bitterness as things go awry throughout our lives. So we have to watch against that. Hmm. Write your prayers and know that God will help you in everything you do and hope for. Is reading something that's a big part of your life? Yes. Yeah, it is. I've read my entire life a lot. I've read uh, all kinds of things. Certainly something valuable, a great habit to take on early in life and to keep up throughout because you'll be thanking yourself that you did. Yeah, they talk about writing journals and so on. I've tried to write journals over the years, but I do better with writing projects. But I do try to write my prayers to God and, and try, write the one true thing. So, yeah, I've been influenced by other authors and people in my life. I encourage our listeners to check out this book. It's called Reach for the Taut Rope. It's written by Delbert Martin, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, like at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop. Delbert, thank you again for joining me on the show here tonight. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Well, you're welcome, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Have a good evening. The Ego Has Landed. This is the new book by author Athena Park, and she's joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Athena, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Can you tell me all about what you've written in The Ego Has Landed? Yes. The Ego Has Landed is all about humanity's essential desires to either embrace or deny one's ego hmm. and to know or rather learn how to utilize our egos effectively, in essence, becoming a master of our own domain. Did you have a certain group of readers in mind when you were writing this? Well, actually, this book is for humanity in the essence of, of one's totality. So it really is targeting everyone who's ever existed on planet Earth. 
Can you think back to when you got the idea or the inspiration to sit down and write this and then publish it for the world? I actually got the incentive to do this since my daughter was going to college and she was leaving. And it kind of gave me the incentive to start writing about my story, which is looking into what I have done in my life and how my spiritual quest has begun. I call it the treasure quest. And you've quoted Ralph Waldo Emerson. I think it's quite significant. Uh, What lies behind us and what lies before us are small matters compared to what lies within us. Can you explain that significance? Well, it's actually what our whole existence on, on the earth plane is, is to look within is to gain the spiritual awareness of higher consciousness as we look outside into the world, which humanity has done for ever since the beginning of time, looking outside oneself is not where you're going to find the answers. The answers are all within, as Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, and many of the other, our ancestral gurus of all time, Rumi and, and others, to name a few, and Osho as well. Athena, what's your writing background look like? Have you ever done anything like this before? I actually, funny you ask that, I actually have a children's book on Amazon. And honestly, I did that a couple years ago and I really did not know what I was doing, but I wrote a children's book that's called Say a Prayer, which is on Amazon and available, I believe, Kindle for children who have forgotten to pray, Hmm. which is such an instrumental part of understanding your connection with spirit. So after you go through the writing and publishing process, you know, it's a lot of work. Uh, What's it like when you get to hold that first copy in your hands? Oh, my gosh. I'll tell you exactly what it's like. It's like Christmas. Hmm. Not in a cup. Christmas actually in my hands. Publishing with Fulton has been an incredible feeling of so many blessings that not only have been bestowed upon me, but what more importantly will be bestowed upon the earth plane that whomever holds this book will be Christmas in the eyes that behold the reader. It sounds like there's a lot in this book. Did this take you a long time to put together? Actually, what really did it for me was the discipline. Mm. So four months to six months was the actual writing discipline that it took me. Mm. And now, what words of advice could you offer to the aspiring authors who are listening to us now? Well, every life holds a deep, intrinsic story that must be told to the collective. Athena, looking ahead, uh, have you thought about writing more books, publishing more? Definitely. I am being given blessings every day from our heavenly spiritual realm. I will be writing right now. The second book is already underway. I will be sending it to Fulton Publishing. It's called My Little Book of Memoirs. And then my third book is now being written as we speak. It is called The Adopted Truth. And that truth will be actually a culmination of the second and first book. It's called The Ego Has Landed. It's written by Athena Park and is published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere you buy your books. Athena, thank you again for stopping by the show. I had a wonderful time talking with you. Thank you so much for your time. And everyone, to those listening, I do hope you pick up this book for not my sake, for your own. Thank you. 
Author L. Agati is sitting down here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. L, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. Just wanted to congratulate you on getting a new book out there. It's called Corey Corinne is Dead, Part One. Uh, what can readers expect with this? Well, what the book is about is a girl who kind of has nothing left to give. She's tired of the material world we all live in and is kidnapped with a slew of others. She's taken to what seems like a luxury getaway, which is a little bit odd for being kidnapped. <laughs> While they're there, she's told, along with several others, that they're dead. Not in the literal sense, but their lives as they used to know them. They're given instructions on how to connect with a piece of them that's been shut off to reality. The reality of the world we live in. And connect to something that none of us are allowed to connect with. So they'll no longer participate in society as cogs in the machine, but instead will be those who shape it. So throughout her journey, she realizes that she's part of something much bigger. And she finds that she has to kind of save us all from a certain depressed existence. And at its core, it's a fictional take on society and the lies that were all too easy to believe. Wow. Where did the idea for this come from? Well, a few years ago, I, I kind of got very into just realizing what could be truth and what could be lies. And, you know, when really looking at the world we live in, it's, it's just very easy to kind of believe anything. <laughs> so it came, it stemmed from that. And I wanted to do a fictional take on that and how we all can cope with that. Did you have a certain group of readers in mind when you were writing this? Yeah, I, I believe Honestly, it's for a, a younger generation, and I would find maybe, you know, the female base would be a little more inclined to, you know, be reading this story. It does have a female protagonist, so even though her name is Corey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of the, the target for it, but I do believe anyone of any age could really relate to this book. Hmm. Uh, this is part one. How far out have you planned these? So it's going to be a three-part series. I'm working on part two right now. And the second part will dive much more into her counterpart in this story, which uh, her name is Anastasia. They go through a very similar experience during this whole kidnapping. They kind of become friends and realize they have to solve this together. So if you get to the second part of the story, that's when you'll get more into her side of things. One of the first things that struck me about your book was the cover. Can you tell me how that was developed? Yeah, so it's a very simple cover. And what it is, is you'll see the red leaf in the middle, which is what they are going to ingest in order to connect with this thing that none of us in our reality are allowed to connect with. And on the top and bottom, you'll see the arrows pointing in either direction. Those arrows represent equilibrium. So it is trying to find the balance in the world that we live in. So it, it's very subtle. Uh, it's a very simple book title. <laughs> but if you look at it, it does have a lot of meaning. Mm, very well done. Thank you. Is writing a thing that comes easy to you or do you struggle with writer's block a lot? I think everyone that writes struggles a little bit with writer's block. And I think when you trust yourself and don't get frustrated with the writer's block itself and really sit down, look within yourself, those, all of those answers kind of just flow right out of you. And every time I write, it still to this day, it doesn't feel like it's me doing it. So <laughs> that may sound strange, but I think the more you let yourself go when you do write, the better the work comes out. Hmm. Elle, what advice would you give to those who are listening right now who really want to write a book? They have a message and want to get it out there. What would you tell them? What I would tell them is, from my perspective, don't write unless you're passionate about it. Don't write just because you want to write. Don't write because you just think that writing is, is a thing you want to do. 
right? Because you want to tell a story, right? Because you want to let people connect with something that on a normal basis we can't connect with because reading art in any form is meant to connect us with something bigger. So I would say anyone who wants to write anything, do it, but make sure that you have a point you're trying to get across. And this book will certainly make readers think. It's called Corey Corinne is Dead, Part 1. This is written by L. Agati, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can get this everywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. L, thank you again for coming on the show with me here tonight. I had a really wonderful time talking with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'd like to welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, Tom Campbell. Tom, thank you for joining me tonight. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> really glad to have you. You got a new book out right now. It's called Tides of Love. What's this book all about? Well, it's just it's about our life together, I guess. Nancy and I got married a few years ago. We both were widow and widower. Right after we started dating, I started writing her a little poem just as a little gift, I guess. We decided to have monthly anniversaries because we knew we would never reach the 50-year mark, more than likely. So I just gave her a little poem every month, and just kind of about what that month was about or things that I thought about, during, you know, what our life was going to be, I guess, or what we're going to do. It's kind of a monthly progress report, in, in a sense, hmm. written as a poem. <laughs> what sort of a reading audience did you have in mind whenever you published this? really didn't have any reading audience, per se, I guess. Myself, I don't think I would buy a poem book. I don't think men are inclined to buy poem books. I think women would read it. It has a lot of nautical things about nautical life, because both of us were boaters most of our adult life. Hmm. It's, it leans toward the nautical, is things that we did with our boats, and a lot of our life together has been on boats. I think women are more inclined to buy the poem book than a man would, especially uh, love poems. And, and it's basically uh, just about our love for each other and how we went through the life together, I guess, as a couple. So things happened, and I tried to point some of those out in the, in the different poems, little, little bits and pieces. And it kind of reminds us of our time together, because you, know, you, you have a tendency to forget your life and what happened last month or last year. Even now, I just pick it up and kind of go through it. And I, I said, oh, yeah, that's I remember that now or what, what was going on. So it was, it's kind of a, like I say, kind of a biography of our life through poems. Mm. Tom, have you ever been published before this? I've had several articles written. I, I wrote sailing articles about different trips that I took in uh, the uh, magazine, Cruising World and Latitudes and Attitudes uh, magazines. There, They published a few of my articles, but this was actually my first book. Publishing a book is quite a long process. It can take a lot of work. Uh, did it take you a long time to do? Well, the the book, as far as the poem, stretched from like 2013 when we kind of started dating until uh, I think it was June of 2020 when I finally said, let's just cut it off and just see what happens. So I started doing the, just putting it all together and submitting the book, getting the copyright and submitted the book to uh, Christian Publishing. And uh, they said they wanted it. Of course, you have to go through the, the approval stages. So it was it was quite a bit of work. It's more than I thought about, more than I thought it would ever be, put it that way. So I mean, it was interesting. And I'm kind of thinking about doing another one maybe here in a few months. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of I continue writing the poems. I was, I was going to make it a little bit different than this book. I was going to put more stories in it rather than just poems. So try a little more of our cruising life, different things that happened. And it's fun, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> then after all that work, what was it like when you got that first copy in your hands? Oh, it was it was fantastic. I mean, you're sitting there looking at a book, you know, you 
you see books all the time and all of a sudden here's a book with you know your name on it and your credentials and, and what you thought you said well it's out there now i can't take it back <laughs> so but it was it was a good feeling and so we're we're very happy and we both did a lot of sailing and and we've always said well it's you know that's something that not a lot of people have done you know very few people have done it well, it's the same way with writing a book mm. there's very few people who've written books, but a lot of people who may want to write a book kind of puts you in a class by yourself, I guess. Well, I wrote a book and got it published, so there I am. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of people listening right now are looking for advice. They want to release their first book. Uh, what would you tell them? Well, one of the first things that I would tell them is organize yourself. I guess there's so many things to do. If you don't, if you don't organize it, you'll you'll be in trouble because you start. Well, where'd I put that? Where'd I put that? So kind of think about how you want to organize yourself as you're writing because you can, it's very easy to get confused. And for me, what I should have done at the beginning was get a new and good computer because the one I had was very slow and. Every time I went to it, it took me 10 minutes to get it to fire up. So since I've written the book, I bought a new computer. So I said, man, I wish I had this at the beginning. But mm. Another thing that I thought was would be very helpful would be go back and read what you wrote. I found a lot of cases that I repeated a lot of things. And uh, I guess you know, after six months, you forgot what you said, you know, six months ago. So you may have a tendency to repeat something. So I think, you know, you just should try to eliminate that as much as possible. It's called Tides of Love. It's written by Tom Campbell, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Tom, thanks again for stopping by the show. I had a nice time learning about your book and really good time chatting with you. Well, thank you for calling. I appreciate it very much. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 